Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Hey, what's going on, folks? Ty from Breaker Culture, proud members of the BenchClear media team. Uh, today in episode 101, I have one of my favorite hobby friends, Brent Williams of Brent and Becca. I think most of uh, the hobby knows who Brent and Becca is. Brent has been selling on eBay, has been breaking large quantities of sports cards for 15 plus years. Uh, he's been selling uh, for 20 years. Um, but we hear his story again. I had him on a year and a half ago. We talked about some things. It was a little bit more heritage focused. And today we, we really break into his story and just the transformation he's seen. He has completed, let's, let's hear this out, completed 250,000 transactions on eBay. Quarter million transactions. 100% feedback. This guy is a machine. Uh, him and his family have... <laughs> They've been through the thick and thin in the hobby and hearing what he's seen kind of transpire in the hobby is, I think, really important for folks to hear. Now, it, there's a lot of practical advice in here. If you're a new collector, there's so many good nuggets in here for you, whether it's some, some tips on listing and selling on eBay, some tips on the payment processing, tips on scanning, all that stuff. You're going to learn a lot from Brent. It is a, <laughs> it is a master class on selling on eBay. But if you're a veteran in the hobby, you've been around it for a while, uh, we just we talk a lot about transformation and what has taken place and lessons learned and where, where we think it's going. And I think there's a lot of good, um, a lot of good feedback and insight to gather from that. Now we are pretty acute in a couple parts. We 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 focus in on 2020 Allen and Ginter for a second. Um, we talk a little bit about um, some of the eBay managed payment stuff, but. Uh, Overall, it's an hour and 45 minutes. I know it's long, but look, I didn't even realize we had gone that long because it was just such a great conversation. So you're going to enjoy the chat with Brent. Now, before we dive into that conversation, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, someone that's really has really hit home with me because I have been a part of this company, um, and that is ExpressVPN. Now, for those that don't know what a, a virtual private network is, a VPN, it is a, is a way, it's a technology that allows you to mask, essentially mask where you're coming from um, on the internet, uh, and it scrambles your connection. Now, this is why it's important. It was important for me 10 years ago because I lived overseas and I was living in Asia and, and, you know, censorship was a big deal, but it became really important to me again over the past few months because I had my, uh, my credit card logins hacked. I had my social media accounts hacked and, uh, look in our world, when we're selling sports cards and you have social media accounts probably for most of the listeners, um, you, you've got to protect that. You got to protect not just your identity and your, your, your financial information, but also your credibility and all the work you've put into it. And so a very easy way of doing that is by using a VPN for everything that you do. ExpressVPN is the best of the best. I can speak to that because I've tried all of them and ExpressVPN is the one I've always stuck with. Um, through the thick and thin and uh, worked out a deal with them because I felt like it was important for you guys to hear what ExpressVPN can do for you. Um, click the link in the show notes. Um, you'll get 30-day money-back guarantee and it's it's just well worth clicking that button every time you log into eBay or to PayPal 
or you know Venmo on your phone, uh, eBay managed payments, all that stuff, your social media accounts, it's not worth risking in this day and age with all the COVID-19, hacking is up, reaching all-time highs. You need to protect your investment and your information and running things through a VPN where it scrambles your connections and it uh, it allows you to protect that. That data being transferred is an absolute no-brainer. And if you're watching sports, sometimes a good way to get around some of the uh, you know watching in city issues is uh, using a VPN. And uh, I don't need to dig into that too much because I'm sure some of you already know that. But anyway, well worth your time. Click the link in the show notes, Express VPN, and protect everything you're doing. Now, on to the interview with Brent Lewis. It has been a year and a half since I've had Brent on the show, but it is always good, especially this day and age with so much transformation taking place in the hobby to talk to guys who've been through all of this to give us perspective. So Brent, really appreciate you jumping on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I guess a late happy birthday to you, right? You just had a, happy, a birthday this week. That's correct. So You're looking good for 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few more years older than that but yeah I, I feel pretty good yeah you're looking good we were, we were talking before we got on air just the the work you put into getting getting in shape despite all the sorting like you're looking you're looking fantastic i know you put some stuff on twitter about you focusing hard on losing weight so i'm impressed man well done appreciate it i appreciate it yeah so so i'm first off how's the family everything going well and and i guess for those that don't know who brent and becca is maybe just tell the listeners kind of what you do and, and I, i'm sure that most people know the name and give us a little bit of your background yeah sure family's great they still hate cards <laughs> <laughs> um but, uh, i mean yeah 20 20 years ago over 20 years ago goodness gracious started gosh opening cases of course i've collected like most guys in the yeah. 90s but opening cases been on ebay for over 20 years uh i saw ebay just had their 25th anniversary what last week they sent me an email saying i've been on there for 25 years they they gave us a 25 dollar uh gift card i was like wow thanks that's really really nice of them <laughs> yeah but i mean it was a cool email um but uh yeah so i you know started opening cases just for fun and then selling the cards i didn't want and that grew into getting customers uh on ebay not intentionally but you know, <laughs> find you right and so they're like whoa you open cases of this stuff can you get me my team can you get me my player and i'm like well i collect that so no or yes i can and it just grew from there and became a business to where eventually i left my career i guess you could say uh yeah it's not been 10 years it's been probably been nine or ten years but i don't remember but probably around a decade and been full-time doing that since then but um i open the cases and list the singles that's pretty much it <laughs> simplified for sure. I know you do. There's a lot of complexities buried in there. Uh, so my question on the $25 gift card, did they submit that through managed payments to you or do they give you an actual credit to you? <laughs> the code <laughs> item on eBay or something like that. Oh my gosh. So 
That's crazy. So I didn't realize it's been almost 10 years since you've been doing this 100% full time. When you 10 years ago, when you started full time, you pulled the plug and said, all right, I'm going in on this. How, how many guys do you think were doing the same thing as you on eBay? Was there a handful of guys? No, there was dozens of guys. Okay. I actually, there is a hardcore group of 65 guys. And I, I know it sounds specific. And the reason that is, is because blowout cards had a forum at that time. And they mm -hmm. were to a new site with a new forum. Uh, a lot of group or group, huh? Oh, there I go. Case breakers like myself. Uh, <laughs> it was growing so fast at the time that they yeah. didn't want our information to get out because people were misunderstanding or, or using it to their advantage. So they created a private board okay. for 65 guys. Originally it started with 50, but it grew. Um, and we, that's where we did all our, you know, talking about the products, but also trading, which was huge back then to complete sets and, you know, from base tops, gold sets or insert sets, master sets, it was huge. And so there was more guys than that, but that was the main guys. And most of those guys opened anywhere from two to 30 cases of most products. Okay. I, at the time was doing 10 to 60 cases of every product, including high end, which was a big no, no. But, you know, it was what it was. Um, but And I did other sports too, basketball, football, stuff like that. But I slowly transitioned out of that as I went full time and learned that if I'm doing this to make money, my customers want baseball, 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 and they don't mm -hmm. want high-end. There's no real sets in that. I mean, Triple Threads did have base cards for a while, but, you know, it transitioned and football didn't say – People may remember back then in the day, if you got a set out of football or base, basketball, not base tops, but I'm talking about SP, upper deck. They, they were like 90 card sets that would sell for three, four dollars with the rookies and stars. You know, there wasn't set building going in football and basketball like there was the baseball traditionalists. So, I mean, tops even tried, right? They tried with like tops heritage football before mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It, it failed epically. So, uh, those things didn't last. I tried them all myself, you know, in big quantity. Tops mayo. <laughs> Football, I mean, stuff. Gosh, like those are from flashbacks. Yeah, so uh, the hobby definitely changed a lot over those ten years, and uh, but people still prospecting. That was a big thing back then, like it is. Yeah. Uh, Strasburg was about to come on the scene shortly after that, um, and then Harper, of course. So yeah, it, it's it's stayed stayed the same in some regards. No kidding. So the trading element's interesting to me because you you don't. I don't feel like you see that as much now. I mean, maybe in the smaller community, but when you were trading, you were trading to complete sets to potentially sell. And it was harder because, you know, there's one, there was a handful, you know, 12 guys that were doing this. Right. Did that just disappeared from the hobby or am I missing something? Yeah, it pretty much did. I mean, I okay. hear a guy or two every once in a while. Um, yeah. I know I'm friends with a lot of those guys, but most of them don't do anything like that at all. They've all gone different directions or different paths. Um, group breaking changed a lot of things. Case prices change a lot of things. eBay fees change a lot. Of shipping costs. I mean, everything changed. Sure. Um, and competition. I mean, so production. I mean, I remember when production things start off. You know, like Allen and Ginner and stuff. They wouldn't even be a thousand cases made, and you would hit so much good stuff. And Gypsy Queen's first year was like, wow. I mean, it was phenomenal with every every box. I was like, Hank Aaron autograph. Wow. Sandy Kovacs autograph. Wow. And that stuff was like 70 bucks a box. And I was just amazing. It, it, but don't get me wrong. The, the profits weren't huge. Those products were nice. But like a base tops was garbage. I mean, 
I opened it in huge quantity because I had my set builders, but I mean, the golds weren't worth anything like they are now. The base cards weren't worth anything. The sets would go down to under $10 really quick. Uh, there was no, there wasn't Mother's Day, Father's Day camo parallels. Blacks had just, you know, started to be a thing. Um, and they, they weren't very expensive. Insert sets, there was a few, but they weren't difficult. So it's, the products have changed completely. Yep. Except for Heritage. Heritage is pretty much the only one that's pretty much the same. Got it. Got it. So when you when you're opening up 20 to 40 cases of flagship back then, and it's harder to, to have the big hits that sell for lots of money, how are you how are you stringing together all of that to, to make it work? What was what was your sticking point? What did you figure out that helped you kind of get through it? Well, I just enjoyed it. I okay. We agreed to do it as long as I broke even, which sounds silly because once I obviously I did it full time, I needed to make some money, but that was just the agreement. And hmm. I strung it together basically by catering to set collectors and to team set collectors. I had built a network of over 2000 individuals who wanted either a full base set, a full master set with the end base plus inserts or team sets in some variety, golds, master set, base sets. Hmm. I still have over 800 guys that want a team set of every single product tops releases to this day. And I deal with those guys still to this day. So um, the base set collectors have come and gone. The master set collectors have come and gone because of pricing or whatever. A lot of collectors have passed away. Um, mm. A lot of my team set guys. Yes, I have some guys in their 30s and 40s on Twitter, but for the most part, they're in their 70s, 80s. Um, but that really is what got me through. I was able to move through that stuff pretty quick. I also developed some connection with bulk guys, um, that would take 500 base sets in one sitting, a hundred sets in one sitting. And yeah, I'd sell them for 20, $22 a pop, which, you know, didn't sound like a lot, but it really helped move those base cards out. And, you know, I could ship them all together. Obviously it's sh several shipments, but I could take my time sorting it. And, you know, so it, it was just different times back then. No kidding. No kidding. And I know you're, you're a guy that thrives on efficiency. I, I remember last time we spoke and we, we, you know, I've spoke over the years, you, you figure out ways to tweak your process and make it work a little bit faster. Back then we didn't have as much technology, right? I mean, turbo lister was kind of, kind of there. Right. Uh, what, what is back then? So 10 years ago, eight years ago, what little things were you excited about when they first hit the market and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is going to revolutionize the way I, do this uh, and that's a very good question because i don't think i don't think there was anything specifically that came along for a long time because like you said turbolister had started up um they did a turbolister 2 which is yep. i always had that's what i always use um i i use that and i didn't change that until like two months, three months ago now, when it finally went to put, I've been using Turbolister ever since then. I haven't changed anything. Um, I mean, I, I should say I've added some things that have made mm -hmm. it the past two years, such as different scanners, um, a way to create macros in Excel to automatically add the picture to every single card on the checklist instantly, um, which takes no time at all. Um, those kind of things, yeah. So, but eight to 10 years ago, there wasn't much of anything. I never used eBay to list or anything like that. I'm sure 
other people may have liked the way they changed their sell your item on eBay, but I never use those things. I, I've loved Turbo Lister forever. Never had an issue with it. Hmm. That's all I used. So, yeah. Well, I mean, for a guy like you, I mean, seconds mean seconds are extrapolated out times a thousand. So it, right. it, it, it opens up hours of your time. Um, what did you move to three months ago from Turbo Lister? I have the six bit. I'm, they say it's the Turbo Lister replacement. I've tried it many times over the years just to test it out. I'm sorry, 6-Bit and 6-Bit fans. I'm stuck in my old ways now being over 40. I can't get, I mean, it doesn't have half the features that Turbo Lister did. At least I can't find them. I've tried. I've watched tutorials. I've talked to people. But uh, there's so many things that it does differently that are confusing to me. But that's what I am using. But thankfully, with running Excel, getting the checklist, and then matching the pictures up instantly, I'm able to put that into six bit still, I have to do a lot more steps than turbo lister made me do. So it takes me a little longer right now. Um, I know I can upload those through file exchange and stuff through EA, but I like yeah. to visually see it. So where, when I'm listing it, I can see the picture make sure, Hey, is that actually the picture that goes with that? Because mm. it's all ran by a mac macro into Excel to do it instantly. Um, and I can, you know, I, I just am more visual. I can see the price matching with the player versus just a name on the screen in the Excel screen. So that's, I mean, that's why I switched to, it's been okay. I'm yeah. thankful to have it because everything else I've tried has not worked, but I'm sure there's something out there that everyone will say X, Y, and Z. I've, I've tried them all, but for what my process is right now, it's got to be the six bit. And I, I keep learning stuff on it and trying new things. So that's interesting. Yeah, you would think you would think there would be some sort of disruptor that would come in and figure that out. I mean, I, I, I get it. it's more of a niche market to a certain extent. Not, I mean, there's obviously other categories outside of sports cards on eBay, but that is that is. I mean, I've used a Mac for you know 15 years, and I've never had anything on a Mac. It's always been you couldn't use Turbo Lister mm -hmm. for Mac, and it's been frustrating. But uh, I think they have like, like garage sale because yeah, I bought, I bought Mac to try that one night i returned the mac the next day um, so <laughs> everything like that and uh you know it's, it is what it is but i mean yeah i i, I love the fact that like turbo lister and six bit one thing that you can have is you can have your inventory for all time so every picture i used on turbo lister for decades there i know every card i hit i know the prices they ended up going for i know you know if i want to list something a year from now or two years from now or rookies i say it's there i just do it whereas if you do that on ebay you can't really keep that the drafts don't save that long um you can't go back in your old inventory i mean it's just offline database i have to have that for the volume i'm doing and and the inventory i have that's crazy i didn't even think about that that's a that's, an... that's the biggest thing for me got it and i wow. mean to work on the checklist before a product comes out right like dinner yeah. today since we're the day that we're doing this um, so, I mean, as soon as that hits this afternoon, boom, I'm, I'm working on it, you know, building my team set list, getting that all, I mean, obviously it comes in Excel spreadsheet, but getting that into six bit, getting it ready to, you know, type up my things. I have to take off the, uh, on the team names, which is very tedious. I have to take off Chicago for white Sox. I have to take off the trademark that's on the daggum checklist. It's so, so frustrating. Yeah. I have to edit all that, you know, as fast as I can and, you know, get ready for team sets on eBay and then eventually the full checklist with those pictures. So. Wow. So what about shipping? I'm curious about that. Cause that's probably the one thing that's my bigger pet peeve is figuring out the shipping process. Um, I use a platform called shipping easy now, which is kind of 
transform the way I do things. But what what did you see over the last decade that really kind of helped you figure out shipping for all your clients? Well, the fact that you can print labels online was the biggest revolution. Yeah, obviously, yep. um, that's huge. Um, when did that hit? So in in the in your process, when did that hit? I probably it was ongoing when I first went full time. Again, I was doing okay. this for a decade or more before full time. I don't rem- I think it was before I went full time and I was printing everything labels for over the past 10 years. Um, I used to use PayPal shipping, which that's yep. been pretty much forever because when you get a PayPal there, there it was. Um, and I used their, their bulk shipping, which would allow you to ship a hundred items at one time. I love yep. but that kind of went away. And it, so I've been using eBay shipping for the past several years. I've tried other programs. There's some good ones out there. I just, I'm, I'm cheap. I don't want to pay a monthly fee. <laughs> and I like that eBay automates everything. I know those programs are too. They add the tracking numbers in and they email the buyers and all this stuff. And that's wonderful. I, I get, I see a lot of benefits to those things, but the eBay thing hasn't messed me up. I also with eBay being top rated seller, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you actually get cheaper shipping than the cheaper, cheaper shipping. So a lot of these programs I've looked into, um, like mm. I'm the one you mentioned shipping easy. In other words, they'll give you the commercial, uh, discount, but eBay, if you're top rate, they'll give you commercial plus, which, you know, priority mail is like 30 cents shipping savings on a flat rate envelope. Um, and it's only savings on priority mail, but the regional A's and all that is cheaper. And, you know, when, yes, it adds up when I'm shipping, I mean, I, I don't know right now, but it's well over a thousand shipments a week. Cause I know that right now I am going through 1200 standard top loaders. That does not count the thick top loaders and the extra thick and the super thick and blah, blah, blah. But I'm going over 1200 top loaders a week. And of course supplies are running low everywhere. And that's become, going to become a very serious issue very quick. So that's why we have a shortage. You're using 1200 a week. No. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so just perspective, right? Let me let me share this for those that are watching on the YouTube stream. So that you're at, I'm I'm showing two hundred and twenty three thousand, a quarter million completed auctions since one. That is unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's my uh, the idea I got when I got married. Um, I used to have a a really stupid ID from 1997 until then. Um, but yeah, in 2001, when I met my wife and uh, became Brent Becca. So yeah, that's crazy. That's that many items. I Gosh. how they calculate that. If that's, you know, if you have a fixed price for a hundred quantity, if that's one or if that's, you know, cause I've, I've seen some other numbers that they have on eBay. I've seen my, my all time sales yeah. dollar amount. And I'm just like, where is Whoa. that? <laughs> well, I think this is actually feedback received. So only 223, only 223,000 feedback, positive feedbacks. Okay. That's got to be, because I think the number of items, at least on my, I was at the global thing, it's over a million items. Sold. Gosh, darn. But that is, that is pretty darn cool. Pretty darn cool. Um, all right. So that that's that's interesting. So that the transformation from obviously TurboLister to what you're doing now, that the all that stuff that you figured out there, the shipping is always interesting to me. Talk a little bit real quick. I don't want to get too fixated on eBay and sure. kind of what they're evolving into, but talk about 
the evolution of managed payments, because it's always coming up now in conversations. What What is your kind of quick and dirty feedback? You're interacting with it, obviously, because everyone is. Mm-hmm. Pros, cons is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to take it right. Um, I was not a, a proponent of it. I waited to the last day to sign up, um, which I guess I'm glad, although the fees are cheaper because, you know, my they, they've combined the final value fees and the payment paypal the payment processing fee into one it is cheaper there's no doubt yeah it's not for micro people micro payments um it may not necessarily be as cheap for non-store people but for me it is cheaper so that is nice so i kind of wish i switched earlier but i am one of the lucky ones because i'm not having the issues so far as others are i know many guys unfortunately that their payment are being held for a long time their payouts aren't you know going every week or every day there's issues like that i the things that i don't personally the the cons that i've experienced is of course anytime a buyer has an issue boom they take your money right then i am got so much volume and money i don't even see it so it doesn't impact me right so if a guy has a my item hasn't shown up for a week eBay. Oh, we're holding your $20. Okay. Whatever. You know, right. I, I don't mean to say that. So nonchalant $20 to a lot of people is a lot to, there's some people that sell five cards a week and that's like, ah, and I yeah. understand that. Um, but I have heard horror stories about PayPal and people losing cases, thousands of dollars. I, I lost over $5,000 on a deal on PayPal once at PayPal, even with signature confirmation, they would not sign with, for me, uh, sign on my side. So, I mean, it's, it's any, it is what it is. I don't like them having the access to the funds immediately and being able to do what they can. Cause I do know people that are not getting paid until the item shows delivered. And that, you know, could be an issue for a lot of people, especially people that are on a tighter budget or doing this on the side, whatever, but everyone's going to adjust. And there are other avenues and places to sell. As we know, you know, I know I don't sell on Facebook. I've been told I should, you know, stuff like that. Etsy, you know, Amazon, if you can get on there, that's another story. But <laughs> Twitter, I mean, there's so many forums, right? Blowout. I mean, there's so many places that you can do business now and meet people, which is great about the Internet. So. Yeah, I know that. That makes sense. Um, oh, interesting. So, yeah, I think it, it, it kind of corresponds with what most people's issues are um, with, with just receiving money on time. But to eBay's credit, right, I think they did a good job of slowly bringing people in, yep. tweaking things to make it work. Before it was a full launch and it was a total disaster. Right. When I finally jumped on back in July, um, it seemed pretty seamless to me. Like the way they had it working was pretty seamless. I agree. And that's how I've experienced it so far. I will say yep. the only issue that I'm concerned about is end of year accounting and taxes. Ah. Uh. They don't have near the reports that PayPal did. They say they're coming, but I don't trust them because they're so slow at things. It's it's hard for me. Do I know that I'm actually getting all my money because, you know, they're taking the fees out instantly? Yeah. I, I could see it because, hey, here's a label to print, right? Or eBay. Hey, you got paid. Here's a label. But I've heard if you read some of these sites, people are saying, well, they're not paying me the full amount or they're taking more fees than they're supposed to. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't have time to look through thousands of payments a day or a week. I mean, so... I had yeah. to press it to right. <laughs> what am I going to do? I don't have time to count all that stuff. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I, I think the rubber will meet the road come January 2021 when we all figure out 
oh crap, there's some, there's something's not working. The numbers aren't matching. <laughs> right. How much did I pay on shipping? Because PayPal, I could just run a report. Here's how much, yep. how much did I pay in fees for this, fees for that? How much, you know, returns did I have and all that stuff? I'm like, where is that? I mean, I, I, do we even know how much taxes is part of these payouts, you know? So yeah. I need more reports. For sure. So, uh, so a guy with your um, background with eBay, and I know you, you've, I mean, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, but five years ago, you had the ear of eBay. Mm-hmm. Is that still the case? So does, when they're running out, you know, rolling out managed pay- payments, does, does your rep or someone from eBay bug you every couple months and say, Hey man, well, how's it going with you? What can we do better? Are they, are they that? I know eBay employee that is higher up that loves sports cards, deals with sports cards. So I do talk to him, can talk to him anytime. He talks to me. Yep. Um, but as far as a guy that's in the sports category, usually he will connect me with someone, but no, they've really slowed down on that. I used to hear mm-hmm. people maybe five, six times a year, and he would always make sure that I got signed up for anything like that. But I was honest with him at one point and said, Every time they want come to me, I'm swamped with a 100 cases of Series 1 or 50 cases of Heritage, and I can't do X, Y, and Z, or I don't want to be a part of X, Y, and Z. Like when managed payments came out, they wanted me to be one of the first 10 people to have that. But thankfully, my friend was honest with me. He's like, you don't want to do this after I read the fine print, Brent. It's mm. so much more, and it, and it sounds like a nightmare. And so thankfully, he said that to me because I almost did this, and this was – I don't know, two years ago. Wow. Maybe a little longer than that. So okay. yeah, here are things coming, but not all of those things always happen. Like I was yeah. told three years ago now that eBay was going to require tracking on every single shipment period. And there would be no digital items. You'd have to be a special certified seller to be able to sell these digital items. But every the PWEs, those weren't, wouldn't exist anymore because they wanted to be like Amazon. But that they could never figure out how to get that. And that still, to this day, is obviously not never come through. And that's, you know, yeah. a good thing, right? Because shipping Very is so thing. expensive. So, yeah, I hear of things sometimes that I'm not able to talk about and share. But I have not heard of anything in the past probably 15 to 18 months. Um, because they're always changing their CEO and their leadership and the category. Yeah. So, I mean, I can talk to him, but I mean, uh, yeah, not as much anymore. Yeah. Well, I saw this morning, actually, funny enough, eBay's founder, Pierre something, right? Pierre, whatever his last name was, yeah. uh, stepped down from the board, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's a, it's a relatively big move. News. Yeah. It's always funny when you see that, like on CNBC or Little Cross and you'll see the comments like, it's not because of performance or conflict of interest or personality. I'm like, okay, wouldn't you say that? We all know what's going on. Uh, Oh, shoot. Um, All right. So let's, let's dig into a little bit about what, what you've seen from the, the, the transformation of just the hobby in general. So I think when you were talking about, um, automating your pictures on your listings. It made me think of how that probably is harder today because so many people are buying cards and they want to see the exact picture because they want to grade it. Right. That didn't, that didn't exist 10 years ago. Nope. What, what are, when you think of the difference between 2010 business and the hobby versus 2020 business and hobby, what are the one or two things that stick out and you're like, wow, this is so different. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously that is definitely different. Grading has gone up and people want to see the backs of every card. I mean, $3 cards and it's kind of, I mean, but I mean, obviously that the big one, as we all know, is group breaking. Yeah. Uh, I actually started doing some group breaks on that private board that I talked about earlier yep. with those 60 guys. There were some products I, as I started to get full time that I still had to buy or wanted to buy or open, but I knew they weren't money makers. So we would do group breaks and a lot of that stuff I'm trying to remember. So like mm-hmm. not talk on leaf, but leaf used to do those celebrity autograph uh, products, man, what were those daggum things called? Oh man, I don't remember, but it was it was no sports. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, Star Trek, Leonard Nimoy, all these people. Um, we I loved to open that stuff, and yep. yeah, some of it was very valuable. But they started using stickers all the time, and same people. So I would group break that, and it was so fun. What's funny is really quick. I would group break that, not live. I don't even know if YouTube was around. I guess it was it ten years old now. I think it just hit ten years, didn't mm. it? But we mm-hmm. no video. I would open it at my leisure and then just go in there and type up what I hit and just give it to people. I mean, you had to be completely trustworthy. I mean, I wasn't in the break myself, so every card would go out. And I always made sure it was a part. I wouldn't, you know, oh, I got 10 cases. Let me group break two of this and open mine. No, because that I still today, that's one reason I don't group break as much. I have group broke in the past, but I have a conflict of interest in my opinion. I don't ever want to open 20 cases of tops chrome for myself and group break five. And then someone, even yeah. if the video's live and they don't see anything fishy to say, wait a second, how does Brent have that card listed on eBay? I don't want it. My business is my reputation. I've yep. kept that forever. I stay away from that stuff. So I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's changed. Group breaking is the number one thing, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of things that have changed the, the production levels, the, the type of inserts, uh, you know, the frequency of autograph cards compared to back then. I mean, there's uh, so many more people in the hobby now. Grading, like you said, is a big business. But I mean, group breaking has got to be it. It's I now I look back and think, man, we never knew that that would be a thing. We kept it private, you know, um, but it did. It exploded and it is what it is now. So. Yeah, no, those, those are all really good things. That's funny you're talking about that because you and I, have, we've chatted offline about this. I remember in 2012, before I went overseas, I was doing group breaking. And it, it even then, it was like you, you would do a break and then you didn't have the technology, the platform to manage the break and switch over and show your Excel spreadsheet. It was like, and, and that's why a lot of people were getting ripped off because yeah. you could hide a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I And I didn't do them, you know, I didn't do any public ones for, I don't remember when, but you know, 2017, I did quite a bit because products, that was the year where products were really going up to where I was like, Hmm, I could open Tops Chrome and not make any money or I could, you know, sell it sealed or I could still open it and group break it. And so I would do stuff like that, you know, and it was so fun to open in the community. So I get the draw of it. Um, it's an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, I have some downsides to it, but that's not for here. So anyway, I mean, well, enjoy it. Right. So I I have, I always want to be careful because if I do that, I want someone, everyone to get something. And I, I hate for people to pay a absorbent amount and then not get anything. I just, I can't stomach it, but I I know it exists and people love it. So, Hey, go group breaking, go group breaking. There you go. Get your pom poms out, Brent. Um, Okay. So let's focus on grading them for a minute. Cause I, with the emphasis, and I would say from my perspective, it's really been the last 
two years where everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can go send these to BGS and PSA and I can quadruple the value, blah, 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 whatever. And look, I, I, I've been a part of that too. I've realized the opportunity to a certain extent, but how has that affected your ability to sell singles? Has it, has it increased your awareness? Has it made it tougher? Yeah. Um, I mean, thankfully with the rising cost of products, that is the one thing that has helped, right? Because when you're opening a base product like a base tops or a heritage and people are willing to now spend $30 for a, uh, a Lou Bob rookie, right? Whereas the entire set, people were pre-selling that set for $30 ship, which I mean, you're losing fees, you're losing the shipping, you're losing the box cost, you're doing all that work. That has changed completely. So yeah, my set selling has gone down to a minimal. I will still sell a few sets to draw some business in. And then of course, to my best customers, I, I, I love dealing with those guys, but yes, that's changed completely. You're right. I would say in the last two years, especially, I mean, it's always been around, yep. but it used to be a Bowman only thing. I remember mm -hmm. a decade ago, eight years ago, six years ago, listing Bowman singles and getting people saying, I want to return this because it's not great. Well, I had people in eBay messages say, this is not a 10, I want to return it. And this was a decade ago. Wow. One of those prospects, I mean, this is probably 15 years ago, like Justin Upton Golds were like over $1,000, right? Was that 2006 or something? And I'm like, who, I mean, that, it was just crazy. And that always happened, right? Um, but it was a Bowman thing only. I never had, in fact, I put this on Twitter probably five years ago. I think, Every return I got for the entire calendar year on eBay out of, I don't know, how like 150,000 transactions, every one of them, which was nine, that's not very many. I was saying it's not very many. We're all Bowman, you know? And so that's changed. I mean, people are picky as all get out. Ah, sorry, people, you are. Um, and it for me, what's amazing is it's always cheap cards. It's never high-end cards or very expensive cards. It's always cheap cards. But yeah, base player lots... I've always done those for over a decade. Bowman, Bowman and Bowman Chrome taught me that, right? To do 15 count Chrome mods. That, so I transitioned that into base tops. I mean, a decade ago, I've been doing that forever because when you get a thousand of a base card, you got to move it some way. And so I would try everything. Team sets, player lots, full sets, master sets, you know, like I said. Um, so that has changed. It's really helped out because the costs have gone up. A, a lot of things don't have necessarily the value it used to. People don't realize that because they're all focused on the base rookie. Um, heck, you can look at like 2018 update and stuff and look at the autographs in there, like from 1983 set was that year, like the Acunas and the, and the Sotos and stuff. Those aren't in demand. They haven't hardly moved at all in two years. Whereas the base card is just, and the parallels are out of this world. And so, yeah, you hit a card like that. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm like, wow, this is a rookie autograph of Juan Soto. And I look on eBay and it's under $100. I'm like, what? I don't understand this. I mean, now his base PSA 10 is over $500. I'm like, what? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, there's certain products that people want autographs. Heritage on card autographs are still very popular. The red inks, mm -hmm. base blues. But people don't buy those heritage base rookies as well. I mean, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. No, but they're minuscule compared to a base tops rookie. Whereas the base tops rookie, by the way, is printed way more than a heritage rookie is. And it's a lot easier to get than a heritage rookie is, but people don't seem to care. So it's it's weird how that works. It's been fascinating watching over the decade what has risen and what has gone down. I, I could have never predicted it. Um, I don't know if anybody could have, but more power to all those people that wanted base cards forever and gold cards. Oh, my goodness. I mean, 
I've lost so much money selling gold sets over the years now. And I look back, I'm just like, oh my goodness. But you know, back then I didn't know and I'm happy for the guys that got them. So, but yeah, grading has taken off and I still have not graded. I graded one time in 2010, I think it was, or 2009. Haven't graded since then. I want to start, I need to, but I know I'm talking a long time here, but I also wonder how that impacts my customers and my prices, right? People know I don't grade. So people, you know, like series one, I think Bichette was like around a six, $7 card to start with, uh, Alvarez, yeah, seven, $8 card, Lux, $5 card. I had guys saying, Brent, I'll give you 10, $12 a piece off eBay, no fees for a hundred of these. Right. And I'd be like, heck yeah. I mean, three guys is paying more than the whole base set was going for on eBay. And that didn't count the other rookies that were in there, the maids and, uh, the kid from the reds at the time, uh, Uno or whatever. I know. Yep. Yep. And so, yep. I mean, several other guys in there and that people know I don't grade and they know I'm going to open a lot and I can send them a bulk amount. I'm not going to pick through them there. Here you go. And so I, I've also wondered, you know, same thing with the group breaking, right? If I start doing this, are they going to think my cards are cherry picked? I, people, mm-hmm. and I don't have time. I've got, I could show you the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds literally of monster boxes full of base from all these various base tops products, especially series one, series two update that are not sorted. I don't have time. I can't cherry pick those things. So that's helped me, I think. So next episode, you're going to have to walk us through live stream your inventory because it's got to be mind blowing. It's everywhere. My wife would be embarrassed because it's everywhere. (laughs) The house now, and we added on to the house for cards about five years ago, and that was very costly. And that all got zapped up. All that square footage is gone to the walls, to the ceiling for. You know, two years after we added on, and now, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Here's the uh, here's the cereal. Here's the milk. Oh, here's 2018 tops. Here's our celery. <laughs> Thankfully, I have hired someone now, um, and they have labeled everything because nothing was labeled in the monster boxes. So it's been a godsend. And yeah, but uh, and I was just saying that we use our neighbor's house. She is our neighbor, and she is a single person and has three bedrooms and her bedrooms are full of our stuff now too. So very thankful she bought that house. Did you build an underground tunnel between the two houses so you can just accelerate? Um, Insane. Yeah. As you're talking about this, I mean, I, I get it. I get the whole, like the eight, I think 18 update is what really kind of, it it kickstarted a lot of the excitement around grading because people realize, and again, grading existed before that. But at the grandiose scale, and if, if I run these numbers, right? Right. You didn't have a guy that had a pop report of 15,000 before. Ronald Acuna came along and like you had a new new class of hobbyists and collectors coming in. And they're like, what? It's in a pack from Walmart and I can grade it and this and that. Fascinating to see. Do you- I don't get it. And that's because I'm a hobby old school guy and don't get me wrong mm-hmm. i know the older school guys get it because they've graded vintage forever but sure. in their mind they're like this card is 50 60 years old most of these don't exist anymore and the ones that are new are not yeah. in good condition nowadays everything is in pretty good condition but my mind is blown i personally i i'd rather have a raw card i get it. the holders are nice and a 10 is nice i get that but it's just like i don't, I don't understand the value difference and now i'm for the first time ever and I'm sure you like you said you're on the number. I've seen 2018, which this blows my mind that it's two years removed. That PSA eight one Soto base can outsell raw, and I, I I had seen it where the nines were, and I was like, whoa, 
you can pay for your grading and get a nine and still, you know, make a few bucks. But I, I saw an eight last week outsell raw. And I'm just like, are you, oh, ah, <laughs> I, I don't even understand that. I don't either. I mean, it's I two years old. How is it even an eight? I mean, I know that exists, but I just, uh, why grade it? And how, why is it, why are people buying that? I guess the nines and tens are too costly. So yeah, I don't get it, but Hey, Again, uh, go grading, go grading. I mean, <laughs> all that stuff. All bombs, here we go. No, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for all of it because it's growing the hobby, and that yeah. is awesome. And I have I have no complaints about that. all of that. I mean, people used to say, oh, group breakers, don't they take away from your business? Not at all. Yeah, some team sets guys go to group breaking to buy their teams, but I still get the same guy. When one guy leaves for that, I get two more. I mean, it's – it is what it is. Group breaking has exploded. Grading has exploded. I think it's great. Uh, I mean, one thing group breaking has done, this is true. It takes a lot of singles off of the market for the first week because people don't have them in hand. And that's a factor that people may not have thought about because 90% of the cases are going to group breakers or more. And fewer guys like me are around. So there's not as many singles unless someone takes a picture of their computer screen saying, got this from a break. And they listed Yeah. Down you see occasionally, you know, so, but yeah. Interesting. So when you're, when you're, you know, you're heavily involved in a product, let's say 2020 top series two is out and your head's down. And for you, I know that's, that's days and days and days, 20 hour days, right. Sorting and listing and all that stuff. Are you, are you aware enough to catch a trend and see something with your, your sales and stuff to think, Oh shoot. Lou Bob's selling for eight, eight bucks, nine bucks, 10 bucks. I got to, I got to pull these back and rethink my strategy on this player or this insert or whatever. Does that, does that happen to you often? Or do you go into a release knowing what your strategy is and you stick to it? Yeah, I have a strategy, but I change it. Um, I've changed it a lot throughout the years, mid products, mid release. Sure. Okay. Especially because it's hard to say that people copy me because there's so many people selling sports cards, right? But that they, they, they used to happen a lot more often where, hey, yeah. there were those 50 guys, it was easy to see someone copying what I was doing. So I'd have to zig and zag. There's so many people now, and there's so many ways to sell. So it's not that way, but I do sometimes see like, oh, a hundred people are listing this this way or doing this this way or listing it for this. I'm going to do something different. I may, one, I can give you a quick example. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, 2017 is a better example, probably. So 2017 update had four uh, Bellinger cards and three Judge cards. Well, those cards went down pretty quick. Bellinger base rookie US 50 stayed up pretty good, but his mm-hmm. his rookie debut had, it was going down. He has an all-star card and I think a home run derby card. Judge, all-star card, home run derby card, and a rookie debut. Though People were starting to list those for $0.99, cent free shipping, PWE, right? I was like, you know what? I'm going to do three card judge lots and four card. And this was by Friday night of the release. I was like, heck, four card judge, three card judge lot, four card. Those things would sell astronomically higher. Like I think the judge lots were going for 20 bucks for me when people were doing a dollar free shipping PWE already. And so now that doesn't last for long because people will see that and copy you. Uh, having a name like me or searching whatever, they'll see that, oh, someone's doing this and having success. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them, but it does. Eventually that runs out. I've done various things like that. I know that example is three years old, 
but I don't want to give me anything too recent because someone may do it tomorrow. But I mean, I, I do try various things. I mean, one of the things I still usually have a hold on is master team sets. They are become harder and harder to build in products. I mean, like series two, you mentioned those can take many cases to do. Not a lot of people will do them. Some people yep. will do them month after release, like RK collectibles, because he'll buy sets from someone like me break them up and, and do master team sets. For, and he likes to have those in there year round for years and years. So someone five years from now can go and buy 10 Dodgers master team sets from various products in the years. And I, you know, I get that they'll hold their prices and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, I do. I change and I do watch that stuff all the time. Believe me, yeah. with the series one rookies, those guys started at those levels. I sold a bunch off eBay, like I said to guys, immediately when some of them started going and th those guys never really went down too much. Sure. Um, but they went to a level where I was like, man, if people wanted to pay me 10, 12 off eBay and they're down to four or $5, I better hold on to them. So I did. And I've got hundreds of those guys left. Uh, maybe not hundreds of some of them that may be a little bit much, but um, yeah, I do watch that kind of stuff all the time. Um, I, if master sets are slow movers, right? Maybe I have 10 master sets of Tops Heritage listed and master sets are going slow or all of a sudden everyone's listing master sets at $10 under me, $20 under me. I may say, hey, I'm breaking two more up and doing master team sets or mm. I'm cards individually. One thing I did last year, uh, here's a secret, but it's not really a secret, is I stopped selling Heritage master sets after a few days because people kept coming in so low compared to what I was getting. My off eBay buyers were paying $100 more than what the eBay people were listing for. And I was like, these sets are impossible. They're super popular. They will sell if people just let them. And I'm not trying to price manipulate, but that's what they had always sold for. And mm -hmm. that year they were even harder because of the one, the Willie May set, I think. Well, that was this year. So I don't remember what the set was last year. Oh, uh, it. Anyways. Um, it, it took like a uh, 15 boxes to make. So what mm -hmm. I was, I was like, I'll sell the sets with the short prints and those would sell for 350. Like other people were selling the master sets with the inserts for 350. And then, cause some people don't realize some people don't care about inserts. A lot of the traditional guys, 70, 80 years old, that's don't care. So you can get just as much for that. And so I was selling the insert sets individually, especially because the scratch offs were last year and the scratch off sets took off. And so did another set that, oh, when Deckle Edge came out. Oh. Deckle Edge went up. It was like a $30 set for the 30 card, then 40, 50, 60. All of a sudden, those were going $90 at auctions because people were like, these Deckle Edge cards are cool. People were selling master sets way too low. I was buying master sets on eBay, which I don't ever do this because I have it myself. Buying them on eBay, getting them and breaking them up, selling the one through 500 with the short prints for 325, selling the Deckle Edge for 90 bucks. Selling the other insert sets, the new age, all that for I was making way over what they were charging. Without doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong, I still have 40 of my own master sets, but that's where I do I do see that stuff. I am constantly researching stuff like that because uh, there's a lot of competition and people do copy you and they constantly yep. will undercut you a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, and I don't get it. Anytime I talk to those guys, they're like, well, we don't have a big a name or reputation as you or as clients as you. And I'm like, man, there are so many collectors right now that just want the lowest price. They don't care if Brent and Becca selling it. And that's true. I see more of that more and more all the time, even with loyal buyers. Mm. You know, what it is, it's it's fierce out there. And that's fine. I mean, what I do is aging and going away. And it's not the best thing. I mean, I've, you know, maybe I should have done group breaking or started buying lots and singles myself and grading. But, you know, I enjoy this part of it. And at least for this year, that's what I'm doing. So... 
No, I, I love it. And I, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. You're, you found, you, you've continued to find a way to, to make money and support your friends. It's your job. This is your job, right? You're yeah. running a business. Obviously trust is, is paramount in this industry, but you're also running a business. You have to. Yeah. And the thing family. I have to constantly remind myself is that 98% of people that are opening boxes and cases and selling on eBay, this is not their job. Yep. They're doing it because they opened a box with their son or they want to open a case or whatever. And don't get me wrong. There's a ton of professional flippers and graders. I, I'm not talking about them. That's different than breaking cases. Um, but I know a lot of people, a lot of my buyers now want to buy a case from me instead of getting a set or something because they enjoy it or they have more money now or whatever. Um, there's so many of those people. And so I have to remember that all the time. I actually have a very good friend. He will undercut and sell way under market. I'm like, but let's sell it to me and let me sell it because you're, you're just killing me here. And he's like, you know, Brent, I just love opening a case and selling and But the problem is he opens five cases. Uh, <laughs> I love opening it, having fun. He said, I don't care if I get my money back or not. And I was like, well, that's obvious. But I mean, the market is so high right now. That stuff doesn't really impact, right? I can hold on to a bunch of stuff. And even if sets drop, which I don't sell too many sets these days, but whatever, whatever it is may go down, you know, the, the autographs of, some lower end rookies drop immediately, like in a product like Stadium Club that just came out or whatnot. You know what? But then you just hold on to the better players or the rookies or the rookie lots, and they eventually go up. And, you know, thankfully there's ways to zig and zag. And that is something I'm doing completely different. You talk about evolution. Hmm. Years ago, I wouldn't keep a single card. Not So if you come here in my house, you won't see anything older than 2017 update. There's not a card older than that, other than my personal collection. That's sad for me now seeing what's happened <laughs> because I know like I sold over a thousand Mookie bet update sets and I had at one point 15 Mookie short prints and trout. I wouldn't even go into my trout. I still have my spreadsheets of what I had and hitting two of the number to 60 cards and, and two black cards. And I had, uh, I think at one point 19 gold cards and you know, all that stuff. It's crazy, but that's something that's changed in me. And part of that actually was a change that eBay made where they, basically wanted to get rid of auctions for a lot. You know, they charged a dollar for one day auctions, which was a killer to someone like me. That's yeah. why a lot of guys left, by the way, we didn't, when guys left, that was a big, a great point. Um, and the three day, because you make your money on the small stuff doing what I do. You can yeah. hold the big stuff up for higher prices, but it's the small stuff that adds up. And so that would be a killer. If you could dump all your duplicate autos at one day, you it, it's hard to do that these days. So eBay kind of got me in that transition and the market did. So I keep cards now and I hold on to rookie lots. And I purposely, even when Robert Robert, selling for $30 a card, I have to keep some of those because I see what happens to Tatis a year later or Acuna yep. a year later or Soto. And it's like, and obviously we've seen what the trout has done and that's, there's no guarantee. I understand that, but at that point I'm comfortable with the amount that I've sold, you know, yep. if I sell 600 of those rookies and I have 200 left. Awesome. Let's, let's see what happens. It's diversifying your business, right. right? That's the way you look at it. Not to mention I can't hold. And some people say, why would you sell any of them? I, you don't understand space, how much card space up. So I've got to, um, insurance cost goes up the more stuff that you have here. I mean, there's so other, many other factors. Yeah. So, you know, I, I got to look at everything. Yeah, no, that's it's, this is leading to so many questions. Uh, we could probably talk for three hours. So, um, 
when you you talk you, you talked about this earlier where the initial agreement between you and your wife becca um was don't lose money let's let's just not lose money break even right when you when you'll say you get a product and you got top series one is your primary objective and i know some guys are like this get to break even as quick as possible no is that your mindset it used to be okay more because i don't worry about those things anymore um man i i do stress a lot because the volume that i do base tops 100 cases while it doesn't take so long to open to list takes a while even though i have the process down to matching the picture and getting all that i still have to price everything yeah. because again there's not much auctions on ebay sure i could send it to auctions but auctions sometimes work out great especially for a hot demand card and, and rookie lots and stuff but a lot of times they don't you know so you want to put them at fixed price i have to research the market on those cards and you know, I, I have so many duplicates, triplicates, so that's more pictures, that's more changing listings, that's more changing serial numbers or whatever it might be. Um, and the fact, the main reason I don't get stuff listed as much is not my process. It's the fact that after the first night of listing, I literally have usually between five and 600 shipments that have to go out the next day. And so that takes a ton of time. And then I can't tell people how many emails and Twitter and things I get a day during a big break like that. And then the offers, I, I listed stadium club last week, which was not a big break. I only did three cases. I, I go label supposed to be on the same day. I cut my orders back, tried to sell some stuff sealed because I knew I was going to be busy and get slammed by Alan and get her. I got 30 cases of Gender coming next week. So I was trying to be quick on it. And in one day of listing stadium club, I went to sleep for five hours. And when I woke up, there was over, 500, and this is a small break, 500 offers on cards I had. Oh, now, my goodness. Club I did differently. I broke up the entire set and listed every single base card as a single, every red foil, red, everything. So there was a lot of stuff listed. But just going through those offers took hours. And then people would counter you, or you'd be getting more offers, and you'd be getting emails. So it was like, I can't list. I can't do that. And that, that part people don't realize the amount of time I spend on emails and requests because my direct customers, again, that list is over 2,800 regulars. They're constantly saying, Oh, I saw you list this on eBay. Can you add this to my team set? Can you add this to my set? Can you do this? They're texting me. And I'm like, ah, I got to end it. I just listed it. Oh, what, what price? And then sometimes you have to go back and forth on price and all that stuff takes time. And it's not a complaint. It's just a lot of work and it's a lot to keep track of. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't even remember what the question was. I, I don't either. That's how that's how intense that answer was. Uh, but no, that that is the reality, right? This is a crash course. There's so many new collectors. Oh, and investors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think about break even anymore. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Like you you think this is easy, but to do something like you do, and I think some there's probably a lot of people that see your eBay account and they think, man, that would be a dream job. I would love to do that. And look, cards are awesome. It's great. You want to pursue it, but this is an insane amount of work yeah. and thought, complexities that you just, I mean, you're just talking about a few of them. This is right. hard. And you got to have, and people don't think about it. I, I've had people that have bought cases, come to me for advice, bought stuff, open cases, and then, then they're opening it and listing on eBay. And I've really had many people ask me this over the years saying, how do I ship these things? I'm like, oh my gosh. Or <laughs> how, do you, how do you ship these full 350 card top sets? Do you have card boxes? What are those? I'm like, You've never seen them? I thought you knew cards. Well, yeah, but I've always put mine in binders and sleep. I'm like, 
What and that happens all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I could just write stuff on this stuff, but um, yeah, you have to have supplies. You got to be ready for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, there's so many things. I like today is you know my my goal today is emailing, and I should have done this two days ago, but emailing every direct customer. Hey, Ginter's coming next week. What do you want? Even though I already know what they all want because they all either take a team set, master team set, base set. I know what they want, but just making sure that they're in on this release. Yeah. And, I will do that today. So I'll send all those emails out. I'll start getting that in. The checklist will hit today. I'll start working on that. Then this weekend, I'll work at getting all those direct people prices once I see the team sets break down and the number of cards and what rookies are involved and if any are short prints, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, it's a process. It's a lot of time, like you said. It People don't realize that I get stuff a lot cheaper. Like my bubble mailers don't even cost six cents. My top loaders, you know, I'm paying very, very low. I mean, $36 a case for a thousand. Um, and that's, you know, ship, you know, and so people don't look at those things as factors. I know guys that go to Walmart still and pay 78 cents for a bubble mailer to ship out stuff. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do you do that? And they'll go to retail post office, right. And pay the three fifty or dollars yeah. And I'm just like, what? Ah, you're losing so much time and money, but people don't know what they don't know. And so it, that's fine. I just think about when people jump into this, they don't realize there's so much that goes into it. And yeah, it's fun. And, but you can't, you can't make a living doing this. If you can only open one or two cases of every, even if it was every product, you can't, you won't yeah. make enough. You'll lose your mind because there's so many products coming out yeah. and it's not easy. Um, I don't wish it upon anyone. I think there are better ways to do it. I think you should open what you want collect who you want, buy lots to grade, do group breaks, whatever. There are better mm. ways. I, I, everyone is, I shouldn't say everyone. There's a lot of people making a lot of money this year. A lot of people from grading, from flipping stuff, especially NBA and soccer, right? Uh, the markets are, I mean, you could buy a car today, a week later, sell it and sometimes double your money. Um, second year cards, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's so many ways group breakers are doing. I, I know several group breakers doing over 10 million this year. Um, so there's a, I, mine has not been increasing as much because mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm holding back more stuff. So I don't yep. have you coming, but I mean, costs have gone up. And so, and by the way, for the first time ever, and people probably are happy about this, but I'm getting cut on product. That's never happened before <laughs> because of my buying power. My buying power doesn't exist anymore because a group breaker, and this is not a knock on group breakers. I don't mean that, but a group breaker can buy, and this is an extreme example, but 10 cases of Transcendent or whatever. Let's go down, a, you know, 10, 10 cases of National Treasures or Triple Threats. And that will be more money than I spend on 100 cases of Top Series 1. So, you see, my buying power has gone down, you know, and they want you to pay higher than market prices and all this stuff. And that, that's all changing. That's This is a, a new for me this year. And that's why next year I have no clue. But, you know, I got to do what I can do right now. And I, I'm trying I haven't changed my ways and that's my fault, but I mean, I still sell to those 800 guys and maybe yep. that's the best thing to do because I can't tell you how many of those guys might buy a, a gold set from series one that has good rookies in it and they want to pay a dollar a gold card or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, I got to do $2 this time. But then, and I did this to, to, for a blue Jays guy last year with Guerrero. I sold him gold set teams that I think for $25 and that Guerrero came out like $125 on opening night. And then it went down to like 75 bucks. And I'm like, I, I can't be doing it this way anymore because, you know, it's things, are, things are different. And 
For sure. For sure. Well, so you touched on a couple of things there. So doesn't, doesn't the fact that product is harder to get for so many people, especially new people entering the market, I mean, forget about someone entering the market now and getting access to 10 cases, right? They're just not going to. Right. Doesn't that increase your ability or uh, your, I guess, the demand for what you do because other people can't just come in and do that anymore. The barrier to entry is so high right now in sports cards. Right. I think so. Um, it has a little bit, but the kind of people that I sell to are fading away. Right. Yeah, that really everyone is. That's coming, everyone that's coming new, in my opinion, I know this isn't, you know, let's say 99%. They are in it for a flip or a graded card or, Hey, I just want to chase this rookie or these five rookies or whatever they aren't they're not coming into the hobby saying oh i want to buy a set for my son or i want to buy a set for my grandkids i'm not getting those people anymore unfortunately they are going away um yeah you do have some team set people still that are coming in new but though what i do again is not catering to what people are want. the market is wanting one thing right now i'm not delivering on that except for when i do the rookie and player lots pretty much mm -hmm. Um, and, and of course the singles, if I've got a gold card, a black card, a, a prism, you know, I don't, I can't You just talk about people can't get product as much product as I've bought over the past 20 years. I can't get not even, not one case. I can't get one box of anything NBA or anything NFL anymore because I told them five years ago, I don't want that anymore. Um, and so no matter, even if I beg them, if I say, please sell me just one case of this, nope. And so that goes to show you someone like me that buys a thousand plus cases a year, um, you know, a hundred cases of series one, hundred cases of series two, and then all those other products in between. Funny, I can't get that access. So yeah, people it's, it's real. And you know, the demand is real and the group breakers need the product. There's so many group breakers. I, I don't blame them. And there's some things about group breaking that maybe perhaps, you know, make that function better. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> you know, it, I, I don't it, it's fine it is what it is i'm happy with where i'm at i i wish i could get some stuff but let's be honest the only reason i want some nba or nfl is because i see what's happening in those markets right I mean, yeah for sure so. i get it i get it um do you so let's just say from a market cap perspective in the hobby let's say total spend in the hobby today mm -hmm. versus where we're at next year at this time, do you think it's higher or lower? I think it's higher. Yeah. The fact that you get to think about that for a minute tells me something. Yeah. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, some people care, you know, the election, the economy, COVID, yep. you know, that's all it's un. it's not unrelated, but it's, you know, it's a macroeconomic influence. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so that makes me pause. I also have been in this so long that I know that every market that's hot comes down and it usually comes down hard. Now, I'm not an economic person. I'm not a stock market person. Those people may be able to speak to this better. Although I do think this is still different than stock markets because there's, I mean, there's, you're not putting a company that's, you know, creating iPhones or whatever behind it or has a value. Um, I mean, a player tomorrow like Acuna could, you know, tear his ACL or I won't name a specific player. They, 
any player could have domestic abuse charges or whatever. Right. Obviously, that won't happen to a whole group of rookies, right? Because someone they'll just jump to the next guy. Right now, that's what's crazy about this market. It used to be people would chase after one. Strasburg's the guy this year. Harper's the guy this year. Yeah. You know, and now it's 15 guys. Oh, wait, this guy hit a homer tonight. Forget those 15. Let's go for this guy. Oh, wait, let's go for this guy. <laughs> that's something that's completely new this year that I've never seen in Major League Baseball. I, I have rookies that are two years old from update that have not done anything for two years and they look like they might do something or they might hit two home runs in, in a week and people buy their stuff. Right. Uh, the Rosarios from the Mets. Uh, what's the other guy that came up with him? Is Smith, uh, Dwight, not, is it Dominic? Dominic. Yeah. Uh, guys like that. And it's like, what all of a sudden every card is selling out of my store from them from 2018. And there's a lot of other guys I could go through and go. Oh through. yeah. It's like, that, are they really playing that well? I mean, FOMO. Yeah, it is. And it happens every single night. Now, a guy yeah. like Bieber, I understand, but there are literally guys that hit, you know, two home runs in two nights and, or Acuna stuff, right? He got, he got hurt. He was out for a while. His stuff went down. He comes back, hits three homers a day, boom, you know, and it's like, but now yeah. here it goes back down again because he's been cold since then. It's crazy. It's way more like a stock market than it used to be in that regards. But yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, I've seen the, I've seen the, and this is, this is micro looking at it because this is not the same as what we're seeing right now. So people will say, oh, I'm totally wrong. But I saw what happened to Tops Living, how it shot up and came crash. I saw what happened to Project 2020. Woo! It, those cards are going for a dollar and two dollars a piece, cards I have. And I mean, that's, uh, people say, oh, those are never going to 15 or $20. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's different. That's not graded. That's not rookies. That's not high in demand stuff. I get that. I said that about Project 2020. I never saw the appeal in them other than the artist stuff. And I do think yeah. some of them are very cool. But I, I kept telling people, I don't understand why the market is doing this because they're not rookies. They never will be. They're not autographed. You know, they are very cool. But personally, the people I sell to are traditionalists. They didn't like them. I couldn't yep. sell any of those project cards to my customers because they're like, you can't make a set. They don't look like the original. I don't even get this stuff, you know, get off my lawn. Um, so, but again, that's where, what I'm seeing from my customer's perspective. Um, so I get it, you know, out there and, you know, there's a different market of the art world and all that kind of stuff. But, and obviously again, that is completely different than what we're seeing. I understand that we're not talking graded and rookies, but I do know that every market that gets hot eventually is not and that could be just a bad rookie class which we shouldn't see in baseball next year but it could be coming up in some other sports right um, but <laughs> here's my fadeaway yeah yeah exactly but <laughs> i've heard people that say you're crazy about that brent they said the, the people will grab and stretch for any rookie next year just because there aren't any and i did see that earlier this year in series two yes Lou Bob was the main draw, but there was guys in there that were selling for $2 a card that a year ago, if I had a rookie at a base top sell for $2 a card, I was like, whoa, yes. And now there were still several. And now I can't pronounce his name, the James K kid, the pitcher from the Indians. Yep. I, mean, I started getting 5 $6 for his card, and everybody's like, Series 2 is garbage besides Robert. Well, there's several rookies in there that at one point or the other the past month have sold for 2 3 $4 a card yep. that weren't at release. Um and it's like that never used to happen ever. I've seen guys that played amazing and for the whole year, one rookie of the year, right? Their cards never went up a dime. 
maybe because the market they played in, or maybe it's just because people don't like them or don't think, you know, they had a good minor league career. Yeah. I have no idea, but it's totally different now. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. I, my, my thesis on that is I, I believe that a lot of this has to do with the new collectors coming in. And I shouldn't even say collectors, the new flippers, the right. new the new audience yes. coming in. Whatever. They're fixated on the guys that are rookies now. Right. It's hard to go back and look at previous rookie classes when you don't know about sports cards and which cards to buy. And the pop reports are lower. They can't go to Walmart and fight for a box of this guy's rookie. Right. So they gravitate towards what they see now. Yeah. And that's ba baffling to me, too, because and I've always said this about cards. I never understood why prospect cards um and this i mean forever Al yes. proven veterans or hall of famers or guys like an out who holds right that's about to hit 660 home runs when you can go buy his graded cards i mean yeah they're, they've gone up some right but they're still fractions and i i think of guys like chris bryant that were super hot prospects that no one cares about no one is buying a guy like that right now yeah he hasn't performed the best the past year or so but again the guy was rookie of the year won a world series mvp uh, you know, Bryce Harper, I mean, yeah. still very collectible. But again, those prices compared to what we're seeing in a guy like Wander Franco, who's never played, I never understand it. And it's it's getting wider. The gap, I used to think it was insane. But now it's like seeing these prices, and you're right. It's who's playing now? What have they done for me lately? Yeah. And that is what worries me in the market because – there's so many rookies that people are chasing right now. I can't even name them all. I used to be able to, but now there's so many and it changes that I do worry next year. Like I guarantee you 75% of the guys that people are chasing today, they won't be next year because well, next year we're going to see these 200 call-ups, right? All have rookie cards. That's what everyone's going to be focused on. Guys like Boba Shett, unless he's playing out of his mind, like Tatis has this year, he may fall. I mean, look at Alonzo cards, right? I mean, of course, a lot of people say, well, Alonzo's not really a good prospect. He's not never going to bat. I understand that. But there was a time that most people will know that Tatis and Alonzo were neck and neck on that Series 2 card, whether it was a gold, a base, yeah. a card. Even this year, I mean, there was a time. It only recently happened because I was holding some of that stuff. I have that stuff. I had still cases of Chrome left. And all of a sudden, it took him – that stuff hadn't moved much. And then all of a sudden he did great. And then it went, and it's like, what in the world happened? I mean, yeah. why did the guy go to not a zero, but you know, a 50 to a hundred that fast that happens. But next year, I wonder how many of these guys are people going to be looking for, because there's going to be a whole new crop of guys. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. It just, it, that, that is the, fine. You're, you're right. And the message there is, I mean, there, there's so basically everybody coming in is priced to perfection. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's nearly impossible for them to live up to those standards. Like Zion Williamson is a great example. Mm -hmm. He had to put up 25, 30 points a game and average 10, 15 rebounds for him to reach his potential price. Like people right. are paying right now. Like it, it, these guys can't, they're rookies. This is always happens. It's so predictable. Yeah. What's going to happen. Yeah. So rare to find that guy. Acuna might be that one random guy who just happened to perform super, super well and he lived up to his prices. Right. But it doesn't, it happens at what? 1% of the time. It's, it's incredibly rare. Yes. And that's what I would say. That's my perspective. You're exactly right. When people would go back to Trout, again, let's go back two years ago. Everyone would look to the Trout and say, well, who's the next Trout that we can find in an update like this? 
other than maybe the Mookie Betts card, which wasn't, I mean, it was priced high, but I That's mean, fair. whatever. I mean, it wasn't crazy, um, but there was nobody else. And I had some of those guys. So, I mean, I've seen the market. I mean, so I was like, it's not going to happen again. Now I will say you're right. Only 1% of those guys live up to that every five, 10 years. But now it's the prices are so high. Even when those guys don't perform, people are still like, well, what if they do next year? That's true. The, the prices are higher at the bottom than they used to be, I guess. When a guy falls. The floor has gone up. Yeah, I can still move those guys for a dollar a card a lot. Yeah. And yeah, they were going for 10 and graded. And PSA 10 may have been 100 and now graded PSA 10 may be 30. But people don't understand, three years ago, I would have taken as what I, for what I do, opening a $3 pack for 12 base cards, I'll take that. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm... Now, someone that's buying that to grade it or flip it, they won't. They'll lose their shirt. Eventually, that's what will happen. But, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, I'll take that. But it's all changed. And so, yeah, the floor is lower. And you're right. You, that's the best phrase I've heard used. They are priced for perfection. That is so true. Man, I like that phrase. Oh, you got to coin that because it's spot on. I, I'm like, how can these people live up to that? I always used to say to people, the best time to sell the rookie cards when they're a rookie. I had Bryant stuff. That stuff has never reached what it was that year. I hit an orange, or, or, orange refractor autograph at a Bowman Chrome or whatnot. I yep. sold the thing right away. And people like, don't you want to keep that? But nope. And that card has never seen that price again. And I mean, that's what used to happen. Nowadays, I don't know because the prices of these things, especially NBA and soccer cards, right? That I mean, that from a for a LeBron PSA rookie to sit at $2,000 for for years or or months and months and months, and then go to 20 grand in a month span. That has never happened in sports cards. I mean, the only player I ever saw jump up fast and nothing like that was German Lynn. Um, And he went up overnight and then came down. I mean, but it never was that kind of jump. And we've seen that for hundreds of cards and hundreds of players, maybe not 2000 to 20,000, but, how many prism base cards have we seen in NBA, especially from 2012 that are in the thousands of dollars now? That it's a base card, people. It's a base card. They printed a million of those. Maybe not prism 2012, but you know, base tops they did. Like you said, pop reports over 15,000. That pop report's going to go over 50,000 in the next year, two years, I guess I would say. Because guess what? I'm sitting on a thousand of those accounts and I'm going to send them all to PSA. So there's. <laughs> Well, uh, you'll get those back somewhere around July of next year. So he'll probably be on the DL and (laughs) they'll be worthless. So funny. Um, I I mean, look, I I spent days driving across Walmart with a buddy of mine to get the 2006 Alex Gordon tops rookie. You remember that? The miscut air card that obviously didn't work out real well. But yeah. uh, all right, so let's let's move back real quick to what you were saying because uh, we got to wrap this up soon. Sure. The bubble, you see things. We talked about living uh, the legends. We talk about Project Twenty Twenty. When this does pull back, and it's starting to in different areas of the hobby, right. where do you think we see the pullback most clearly? Oh man, I'm probably not the right person to answer that because the way I sell and do things, I. Well, it's I, all guess, right? But it, I'm curious yeah. to know kind of what your perspective is on that. Do you do you see it on, you see it on base cards? Do you see? I do, it on I do think the base, I 
I think I think the base cards are actually going to hold a little bit better than I ever would have said that because there's something about having something that's attainable for everyone. And yeah. the best part is that it's iconic. It's their first, and it's something special about that. And it's not it's not going to break the bank. Even a Mike Trout, uh, you could get a graded one. Yeah, it's going to cost you a lot, but that's that's the best example. I mean, other ones you can get. So I I think we're going to see that for sure. It's going to um personally i think again i don't deal in this area and i know there's a lot of deep pockets a lot of millionaires doing this right now i think when they leave we're going to see it from the higher end stuff first the prices i've seen recently on like lucas stuff out of national treasures are insane the lebron stuff if those people start to leave and pull back in the next year for whatever reasons maybe because they can start going to spend money on season tickets again or gambling on X, Y, and Z. I, I don't mean to say family, but whatever they used to spend their money on, right? Yeah. Wherever that used to go, if they start to lose interest, like people did in twenty Project 2020 or whatever, and maybe I don't think they all will. I don't think we're never we're ever going to get back to that floor unless the economy mm. collapses. So that's outside the point. But I do think the higher end is the thing that's going to fall way more than base. And we're starting to see some of that um, I think I've seen some data, you know, like the base cards actually percentage wise that moved up more than, you know, like a, a, a silver prism has sometimes or, you know, the higher end na- national treasures may have gone from a 50,000 card, $50,000 card to a $75,000 card. That's great. But in the meantime, the base card went from $5 to $50. It's a higher markup. Obviously, I'd rather have the $50,000 card. But if you bought a thousand of those base cards, right? So I do think we'll see the pullback from the higher end stuff because that's the stuff that only the richest 1% can afford that is doing this right now. I think yep. it's way overpriced. I, I, Again, you're going to find way more buyers for a base graded card, uh, a gold card, a, a, a hollow silver, whatever, prism. Uh, yep. Then you will for that higher end. So that's my personal thoughts. Um, I, I hate to say, I don't see when, when we see all these group breaks of the high end stuff, you know, like the tops products, they're great looking cards, but for the price that those cases are and stuff, I mean, a lot of times I'd rather get a card, a, a, an SSP of a rookie out of base tops than an autograph patch of a rookie. Look at the prices. You're right. Baseball. I'm not talking National Treasures basketball or flawless. I get that. That's different. But baseball is a traditionalist thing, and people do like the base and the base sets and stuff like that. And SSP Acuna is, you know, I think a greater one recently sold for eight or nine thousand dollars a PSA ten or something. Uh, you you can't get that out of a three color patch, even a one of one out of something like Dynasty. They don't sell for that. Mm-hmm. And the kind of stuff I, it always baffles me. I I want one of those, and that's probably because I don't open that stuff enough. But the demand for those kind of things isn't there in baseball like it is in other sports. And again, I've got to talk from my perspective and my customers and my uh, experience. Yeah. It's 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 just different. That's 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 a great perspective. I think it's it's interesting because you. It's that argument, you know, what, which one comes first, which one, because this is all interconnected. When you see top end, high end cards start to drop in value, that affects wax, yep. right? People sure. realize, okay, wait, I can't hit a $20,000 card in this. So the wax drops, sure. wax drops, it affects base prices. It affects everything. And like availability becomes an issue. Like all of this stuff, inter, like it's, it's all interconnected. And it's going to be really right. interesting to see which, which thing, which thing falls first and fastest and how does it f- factor in everything else in the hobby? Right. 
I'm, yeah. I'm really fascinated. I, I, I think it's, yeah, I don't think maybe a LeBron rookie will ever get back to 2000. I really don't think, obviously not, but, um, I just, you know, will it ever be $20,000 again? Sure. I probably will be, but I mean that to me, it's overpriced, but yep. right now the people in this hobby and in the investment doesn't, you know, they think they're worth 10, 12,000 graded or whatnot. Yep. That's great. I mean, I don't have a problem with the value of it. I just, I've been in here a long time and I just, again, there is, and that's the thing I've got to wrap up my, my mind around and you do, and everyone that's been doing this a long time. This is not our hobby from two years ago. There's way more people in it. There's way oh, more sure. There's serious buyers, right? When you can buy a trout card for 400,000, which personally people can read my Twitter from them. I thought that was a great buy. Just saying, I never dreamed it would sell for four million. You know, two years later, give me a break. Even Dave said it'll be a million in a year or two or whatever, right? I, that's crazy. So we all have to understand there's way more serious people involved now, and so it's hard to wrap our brains around this because yep. it, it is for me. I can admit that. So I don't, I don't want to pretend like I know anything because I don't, I don't think we'll see that floor ever go down to where it was again. Barring a huge like world war, economy collapse, something crazy, you know, internet, EMP goes off and we can't use computers ever again. I, you know, I have. Oh, no, you're making stuff up now. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Bauer comes in. I'm like, <laughs> if he's alive, but you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I can't be naive to think it's going to go back to those lower levels, but I also can't see them sustaining because eventually people got to spend their money on other things or they'll realize that, Hey, there's only 1% of the people can afford this or willing to buy this. And I think we've started to see that, right. The, the high end basketball, those prices that we were seeing are slowly coming down or, yeah. or whatever. But then again, like people said, well, football is going up or soccer is going up and yeah, maybe, maybe people are putting their money there now. I don't know. There's a lot more. There is. And, and we, we've beat this thing to, to a pulp, but I, I will just, I'll end on this. I think, what we do at under there's two things we underestimate the importance of the manufacturers not to print crazy amounts of product and two, the perception of sports in America, mm-hmm. I think influences cards more than we think. I did a recent video on NBA prison prices and look, this is not a political message at all, but the day they sat out mm. that three day period prices in terms of sales for PSA tens dropped 20% yeah. across the market. Yeah. Like perception of sports in America can absolutely affect sports cards really quickly. I, I agree. And you're right. It's not a political message, but I have been a little surprised at the growth of something like NBA. And again, I'm not saying one way or the other, but I've seen the stats of how low the viewership is or not even a million people are watching a game. And I'm thinking, yeah, why are all these people buying these cards where do they come from are, are they really not fans do they just want to watch highlights or they just know of lebron or they know of you know wh- whoever jimmy butler right now or whatever do they just hear his name mentioned so they go buy it because that's not very many people watching a game to translate yeah. because you're then saying that you know a, a big percentage of those people are going and spending thousands upon thousands on these cards i agree um yeah i'm sure a lot of people got nervous just like investors did when COVID hit and the stock market crashed or went way down really, you know, for several days, they're like, Hey, we might want to get rid of this stuff. Um, I agree with you. That's a humongous factor and they're playing sports right now, but do we know, is that going to work next year? Yeah. 
I would assume so. They're going to try to make those things work, but I don't know. All yep. those things factor. You're right. People's view on sports and uh, the race issues in the country right now and uh, yeah, political issues. Yeah, all that stuff. In fact, I agree. 100% agree with you. It factors in more than we know. And yes, the manufacturers. I don't think they're going to, con- just my perspective, I don't think they're going to keep, I've watched production numbers for decades now. Yep. Yeah, they may up, you know, a product 10% or whatever here they're 20 percent um but the thing that they are doing and they will continue to do is they're going to make more products and they're going to make more online exclusive cards and products because that's a way that they can up their production and up their volume without a specific prism or base tops and that's what they've been doing because used to they were limited to the number of products they could make a year at 26 and then exclusives came in and that i think tops was at 40 when it was just tops in major league and i don't know about the other sports but Tops find a way around that with the MLB, PA, and BAO. What if we do online only releases? Sure, those don't count. So you can have 40, you know, traditional hobby products, but now you can have all you want of this. And that's how they've been getting around this and printing more and more. And I don't even know the rules anymore because my best contacts are not with Tops anymore. But, and I don't know, maybe that stuff is public somewhere, but that stuff has all changed too. That didn't exist two or three years ago. And now there, there is. I think there's a lot being printed right now. Maybe not for a specific product, but there is overall. Overall. In the 80s and 90s, you had one or two, in the 80s, you had one release, but one or two releases a a year, and then it kept going to three, four, five, six, 10, 12. But yeah, overall, you're seeing 100 different Topps baseball products. And so when you start adding up, how many Acuna rookies are there in 2018? And it's not just the packs, it's the factory sets, the team sets, the stadium sets, the, you know, the repack, the, the tens that came out a month later. And I mean, all this stuff in here, like, and, oh, what about the Heritage High rookies and the, the museum? And I mean, just everything adds up. And it's like, all of a sudden, they he has more rookie cards available than Mike Trout does. Well, Mike Trout's a bad example because he came out at the end of the year and he only has a couple cards. But, you know, whatever, name someone else that came out earlier. In the right, year. exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. That's the stuff that newer collectors just don't realize. And that's important to put in perspective. Okay, so let, let's get, let, let me ask a question that the people have already asked me to ask you. Um, in terms of just the logistics of eBay listing, what's your recommended scanner? What do you like to do? And then how do you like to ship your stuff? And you can keep it really quick if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Uh Scanner for the best stuff, to be honest, I just use like an HP PhotoSmart. I've used it forever. I like the colors that it does. You can adjust those. My fast scanner is the Fujitsu or whatever it is. Um, it's a card scanner. It scans them really fast. That's for the basic stuff. I don't put any good stuff in there. I, I don't really have a good scanner method. I don't like cell phone pics. I know there's some good apps that do some good ones. I just I can't get around that. But um, as far as shipping, you know, I use the standard triple zero bubble mailers uh we use a lot more cardboard than we used to um, mm. as well obviously we use sleeves topplers i know a lot of people are against tape i don't use t- painter tape because again i'm cheap that's an added cost and an added time people it's a lot they don't understand peeling a thousand of that off a week is a no lot way so um team I bags tape, but team bags yeah team yep. bags number one thing that i use um so, yeah, I mean, there's no secret method to any of this stuff. Buy the stuff in bulk. When I buy bubble mailers, I, I used to buy 18000 at a time. Now I buy 50000 at a time and Jeez. try to make it through a year. That'll last you a week. Yeah. Um, 
I, I didn't realize you you feed cards into a scan a, a scan feeder. Yeah, um, obviously not the good stuff. Chrome won't go through there, and you know, like any any decent card, I won't. It's never hurt a card. Um, it it scans ours scans about two hundred twenty cards front and back in a minute. Um, so that's really good for me when I do player lots, right? So I'll put a base set in there and in a minute and a half, the 350 card base card is scanned front and back. And so, um, that's been a time saver inserts. And that's one reason I have transitioned to not just selling sets, but Hey, I will have individual, uh, inserts listed instead of here's the inserts that are 20 cards, right? I'll, yeah. I'll break again. I have so much quantity. Here's 10 sets broken up as singles because that sells really well, especially if you do a PWE shipping. So, yeah, that does well. I've done it on some lower end. Par- I mean, parallels. I'll do it on lower end parallels. I've done it on some autographs to test it out. Never any issues. I can't buy anything. But, yeah, I still, and it takes us forever. You know, if you're opening a Chrome product, a finest product, any thick card won't go through there at all, a relic card or anything. Um any good card, any any black bordered base tops cards, anything like that. I'm still using just a, a photo smart. I just love it auto crops for you. Yep. Sometimes can be an issue because it crops some borders, but um, you know the pictures just look good, and it's what I've been used to forever. I've tried other things, and it's mainly a software issue. There's some great scanners out there that are great, but I just love the software that the HP uh, photo smart comes with, and my software is actually like over a decade old. I keep reinstalling that and trying to find new drivers for the new wind that doesn't work. Exactly. I, I mean, it's so fast, so I, I love it, but it is what it is. So you, for those, you put them on a flatbed and yeah. your software auto crops the nine, the eight cards you lay out there for you. Yeah, it'll do auto cropping of nine cards at a time, so I don't have to do any adjustments, and then it just saves them. And it, it's pretty quick. I mean, the scan does take, I think, 22 seconds um to do the full scan but and that's in a dpi of 300 which is what i like and then you know it but it saves them instantly before the scanners made it back sorry saving i'm already loading up the next nine or, or my neighbor who i have uh, work with me of course die um our friend um she hates it when i call her neighbor because she is a friend and um fine employee but whatever um uh, <laughs> he is crazy for a neighbor because she's going to listen to this and she's going to get so mad at me so yeah, cut this part out. <laughs> all right. No, she she's a fr- she's a friend, employee, neighbor. Yeah. All three are compliments. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, you you challenged me. Gosh, I want to say two or three years ago to to get a thermal printer for your labels. Oh yeah, yeah. That changed the game for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just because I was tired of wasting money on ink, and it's just so easy. Like that is oh, an yeah. absolute necessity. I'm. A, I would guess you have three or four of those running at once. <laughs> uh, we do have a cup. I think we have. We have we have two that are hooked up, but I mean we don't. I yeah. I'm usually the one that does most of the printing of that because I know the weights of everything, and that's something like Diana won't know necessarily what everything weighs. That just comes with years of experience. So you know most things are four ounces or under, but we we do ship a lot of things in boxes and stuff now because of the, the value and and stuff just to protect them better and so they don't get lost or crushed or whatever. But yeah, I mean yeah, yeah the thermal printer that's a good good thing i didn't mention that in the shipping um you know the bubble mailers i I, there's not really a good trick to that i've tried flats and stuff i don't like them they get bent or you know sometimes the post office doesn't like them for whatever reason Um, yeah so i mean there's uh, there's sure there's tricks to that but i mean the thermal for you and you stuck with it 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing. Uh, and we can talk about this because I just got the, the the email while we were talking from Tops, but uh, Alan Ginter checklist just came out. Now I'm not going to bed today. Uh, What's that? I'm not going to bed today. Heck. Yes, you got it. So I'm, I'm going to put it up on screen here real quick, but you, I mean, I'm assuming you probably already knew kind of what was happening here. So this is not a surprise to you. What, um, what kind of sticks out to you from what you know about the checklist? Anything in particular? Well, I haven't looked too closely at anything. I'll tell you what, I'll pull it up right here so we can look at it together. Um, and then I, I guess give up for, for those that are new to Ginter's a lot of new people listening. What What's kind of the, overall objective with you and your your Ginter push and don't share any secrets I get it but like it's not a set product well I shouldn't say it It is a set product it is but it's not it's the worst set product there is because the short friends have no value whatsoever um the sets crash really quickly player lots do not sell well people don't grade these cards um so it's for me, it's always been the chase of the non-baseball stuff. And I know there's a lot of baseball purists that hate the set because of that reason. That's yep. another reason I wouldn't call it necessarily a set product because I've got guys that do buy every single thing, but Ginter has those non-baseball, you yep. know? So, um, but that's far and few between. I haven't, I've seen some of the Twitter uh sneak peeks and stuff. I love, for me, it's all about the mini cards. I love the mini inserts. Uh, stuff like that. And so I do have a lot of collectors that like the mini sets and the mini inserts and stuff like that. The, yep. You get a lot of people that don't do sports cards, right? That uh, Teachers come to me for Allen and Ginter a lot um, when they made the moon sets or the national park sets or, you oh, that's know, that's cool. I didn't realize that. And yeah, oh, they'll want 50 sets of um, world's beaches because they're going to teach them in a class or whatever, you know, or hand them out to the kids. That happens a lot on this product. Um, so, but as far as standing out, is there something I should know? I'm looking through here now. So obviously short print minis, you got variations. It's, I mean, it's, it's massive checklist for. I just Robert and I didn't get anything. There's no Luis either. Am I searching incorrectly? Is there no. uh, So he's got the base card 256. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see this email. It came an hour ago. Dadgummit. Yeah, I didn't even. I've only seen some sneak peeks, so um, I'm excited about it. But, I mean, Let's I look like at the autos real quick. Is there any, any surprises on here? I'm really curious. Uh, I did see the rip cards still had. You probably knew this, right? You got the all the Hall of Famers, the vets on there, which is. Yeah, that's great. I mean, obviously, that's still. A, those have really crashed in value over the years because we've lost some amazing baseball collectors, set buyers. Um, oh, man, we lost those guys. And yeah, values have come down, but they're still high in demand. People love them. Um, but as far as the baseball autographs, I will say this set has changed a lot to have a lot less Hall of Fame autographs than it does. I mean, I see guys like Ripken, but there's very few retired guys in the autograph checklist like it used to be. Um, the non-baseball checklist, in my opinion, has gotten um, weaker overall mm. throughout the years. And I understand it's gotten tougher, um, but usually there's always, you know, a f- two, three, five that are really, really strong. Um, and I think we're going to see that again this year. There's some in there that, 
you know, always surprises. People think, oh, they're going to sell well, but they sell better. Or they're, And there's always people that you don't even know that are going to sell well. Right. Like it, you know. Um, but so yeah. I look at it now. A couple that stand out to me. Alex Morgan will probably sell well, soccer player. He's had a lot of autographs, you know, in the past few years. I, I agree. It's still Ginter. I think it'll be okay. Joe I know Burrow. Paul Rudd should do pretty good, especially, you know, Ant-Man and, and Spike Lee. A polarizing figure, but I mean, I think he'll still command quite a bit. And I, and uh, but I mean, my wife is thrilled for Chip and Joanna Gaines. I think they will sell much higher than anyone thinks. So anyone knocking those, you can come at me because I'm excited about those because my wife loves HGTV. And uh, where have, is that? I'm trying to see them on the list. Where are they? Uh, at? I know they have a base. Oh, I guess Joanna doesn't have an autograph, but they do have a base card as well. And my wife is super pumped about that. Um, and again, there's some other ones in here that will do well. But yeah, I, I don't see anybody. Again, I could be wrong. I don't see any huge name. Um, Here's your dual auto, Chip and Joanna. There you go. Oh, the dual auto? Yeah. Oh, that'll be a fun one. Yeah. So, I mean, Ken Jong will be okay, right? Um, and... Uh, you know, R.L. Stein should be pretty good for some. I don't know, like that karate athlete. I don't know anything about him. All of a sudden, <laughs> it could be good all of a sudden, right? But I have noticed sometimes some of those people may start off high because two or three people really want them. And then within a week, those autographs that were $75, $100, or $10. That happens to the non-baseball that aren't, you know, that is a very niche market. Someone like Spike Lee will probably have a, a peak price, but not fall very far because, mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's those kind of guys that I've seen over the years where they're like, wow, that guy's, you know, selling for $75, that comedian. And then, a, you know, after 10 sells, it's a $10 card because it just, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. So yep. I, I don't see any, you know, there used to be always some that were several hundred dollars and maybe one or two of these might hit you know, close to that. I don't see it, but I will say the baseball checklist, not with it, you know, obviously not very many hall of famers, um, maybe not even five looking over it is still stronger than it used to be because of the rookies and stuff. Mm. So, but typically, you know, they can be difficult to pull. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens, but they, they, they've got a lot of, you know, Cunha's in there and stuff, Trout's in there, Soto's in there. So that, that's great. I mean, they didn't have to put those guys in again. Um, they don't start every year, you know, it took Mike Trout, how many years, like uh, almost a full decade to have a heritage auto, like eight years, nine years, Jeter, you know? So, and I know it's a different product, but they don't always put these guys in these types of products. Uh, Ludacris, he'll sell pretty well. I'm sure Charlie day. So yeah, I see a lot of potential. I, I'd have to study the list more careful. I see a lot of, a lot of 40 to $60 autographs there. A lot of autos that will hit $100 probably the first couple of days, especially because people just don't know the market, right? I think they tend yeah. to overpay early on because they're like, whoa, this is going to sell well. And then all of a sudden, oh, they're not that difficult to hit. And yeah, they've had, you're right, Alex Morgan definitely will sell, but she has had quite a few autographs in various products and with Upper Deck and Rapino will sell for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's another. Uh, I'm just looking here. This is, this is something fascinating to me. I don't see. Luis Robert on the mini variation stuff like stained glass, cloth, metal. What card number did you say it was again? So for the for the uh, minis, he's two fifty six. That's why. Yeah, it's only the first hundred fifty cards. I 
I don't know. I mean, if they did that last year. It's only the 100, 150 cards. I think it literally lines up 150 with 150. Um, if, Which is crazy, right? Because you're going to get like the, you know, the stained glass. It's an awesome card. Yeah. Huge, huge. You get a, 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 you get a, a Reese's Aquino. You get Galvin Lux. You get Bichette. You get Alvarez. But you do not get Robert. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah, I think I could be wrong. Tops would be the one to answer this. But I think a lot of times that checklist gets built and then they save that last half for any changes, late additions. And obviously, Robert wasn't a late addition, but a later than normal. Because I would think I've been told before, like the mini metals and the mini the woods, the and I don't know about stained glass is new. So I didn't talk to yep. you about those, but those take a lot longer to produce. Uh, you can't just got it. those. And so they have to have those 150 cards nailed down. The silks were the same way for a long time. They did the silks. Those things have to be nailed down and printed way far in advance. That's why we see this, by the way, in many products. This is just a little tidbit for newer people. You will see like Topps Heritage comes out, right? And Heritage will have the players that got traded or signed in the offseason. Their base card is in the new team, yet their Chrome card is still in the own, old team. Same picture, not Photoshopped, right? Yep. People have never understood that. And that's because those Chrome cards take longer to produce. They make those cards way in advance. Autographs, we see that mm. a lot. Stadium Club just came out. There's at least four rookies that um, have had um, rookie cards the entire year with their new team. The entire year. And autographs with their new team. Yet Stadium Club had those guys not having... You know, the autographs were on the old team still. Um, I don't know why I can't think of any off the top of my head. I have a stack over here. But that happens because that stuff has to be, you know, produced sometimes, especially autographs, on-card autographs, you know, long beforehand. So That's a good point. Yeah, that's the stuff you don't think about for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, a fascinating checklist. I, I, this is, this is going to be an interesting release to me. This will be a good uh, barometer of kind of where the baseball card market is. <laughs> Yeah, the Randy kid from the Rays is one. The Randy, whatever, Cardinals rookie is yep. damn close. Cardinal. Yeah, I agree. Ginter has never gone up much in value. It's again, it's not it, who is it for? It, I yep. love, it, but it, it's some baseball people don't, some non baseball people don't, some autograph, autograph people seem to like it for the most part. But again, it, it does sell okay in sets, but nothing like any other sets. I mean, the yep. base drop really quick like i said the player lots don't do well the team sets do okay but i mean yeah you're right it's i can't see this one being one of those white hot markets and i don't think that it is on any website or pre-order like no. i don't like gone crazy or anything right like most things that we've seen i have an idea for people just get alan and ginter and enjoy it that's right exactly Sit right back that's, and enjoy it this is one of those where i have opened it there was a three-year period in the 2000, it was probably 12, 13, 14 when Ginter was bad. They even removed the Hall of Fame players for one year out of nowhere, didn't tell anybody that there was no retired players in the set. And um, people, this is where uh, we lost a lot of good guys that just dropped out. They lost so much money on Ginter those years. I was losing money on Ginter those years, but I loved it so much. I stuck with it and it, it's treating me okay. I love the autographs. I really do. Yep. I have a fascination with the mini autographs, whether they're baseball or not. I, for me, my main draw is it's something totally different than I open the rest of the year. Yep. And I get different faces. So I like it. Awesome. 
All right. Two questions for you to wrap this up just to, to have some fun. What's your worst sports card injury? I'm guessing a foil paper cut. I get paper cuts a lot on the pack. Carpal uh, tunnel. I've heard that a lot. What's a uh, back? I've never injury? had anything like that. Thankfully, my back hurts nonstop. Let's just put it that way. And that's getting old from sorting or at the computer. That's an injury that's like ongoing. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah, sitting at the computer. Oh, sorting. Yeah, I used to make fun of people like that, but now I feel it. So that's the worst thing for me. Awesome. And and uh, I asked this a year and a half ago, but let's see if it's changed. What what do you like to let's let's set music aside because I know you're you got you listen to some great bands. You and I share similar music interests. What kind of podcasts and stuff do you put on in the background when you're sorting and doing all that fun stuff? Board game stuff. I love board games. When we do get a free moment, which it's rare, but during COVID, we got it a lot there for a few months, right? Yeah. Board games. My kids were out of school and I made it a point every day to play a game with them. And it was my best memory of my, with my children, my entire life. So I, COVID's a horrible thing, but it was a blessing in that way. So I love board game stuff, hearing about what board games are coming out, new mechanisms, designers. It's crazy, but I turn off the, baseball card stuff because a lot of people don't talk about the stuff that i'm involved in right people are talking about investments and grading and all this stuff and that's wonderful i love to hear about it but it's not what i do necessarily i want to and i should i get that but so yeah it's board games it's that's what it is what's your favorite board game to play with your family oh my gosh there's so many um with my family my family really uh, probably a party game now i used to say stone age but um probably a party game they like um time's up code names uh there's one right now that we're playing like it's a trivia game i don't uh, i can't remember i think it's called half truth it ken jennings of jeopardy designed part of the game and it's kind of oh. you don't have to it's very difficult questions you're not expected to know the answers but you get like poker chips and you have to bet on which of the six answers is correct and my we like that game a lot so there's a that it changes but we love a lot of games um with my kids we, uh, to keep this really quick, two games that we like is a Harry Potter game that we can play as a cooperative game to try to fight off the Death Eaters and the guy you're not supposed to mention. And the other game that we love to play is a game which, if anybody is even interested in board games, Arcadia Quest it is so fun with these little mini chibis. You go around fighting each other and doing these battles, and we loved it. We played it all summer, and it was just a wonderful time. We bought every single campaign that they had. It's like a video game. And you just buy campaigns, you go through it, and it was just a blast. And so uh, we love Arcadia Quest. Awesome. I'll put the links in the show notes so people can find those wherever they're available. But great stuff, man. You are always a pleasure to talk to. You have so much work to do. You're going to be heading to bed. No. This is the longest podcast I've ever recorded. An hour and 45 minutes. And I don't even feel like it was that long. Yeah, I understand. I appreciate you, man. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, Tyler, anytime. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and all of the great content on the BenchClear Media Network. Be sure to go to BenchClear.us or go to YouTube.com forward slash BenchClear for all of the updates and constant reminders of great stuff we're putting out of BenchClear. Have yourself a great week.